Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's 2 a.m. and a man is walking into a national forest in Delhi, India. He's carrying plastic bags and he's looking around making sure that no one sees him. It's late but you never know and once he's reasonably deep in the forest, he checks again. And when he's sure that no one is there, he throws the plastic bags into the trees, hoping that the animals tear into them, hoping that the forest will consume and decompose everything inside so that there's no trace left of his terrible crime. And he'll do this every night until his fridge is empty and the body of his girlfriend, well, ex-girlfriend, has disappeared into the wild. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the murder of Shraddha Walker. So this case starts on Bumble, Bumble the dating app. And if you don't know anything about Bumble, lucky you. So it's an app that's very similar to Tinder, where you have to swipe on a person. And like a lot of other dating apps, it's quite superficial. But one of the big differences is that on Bumble, even if you match, the girl has to talk first. If not, this isn't going anywhere. So this case starts with a match on Bumble between Aftat Amin Punawala, who was about 26 then, and Shraddha Walker, who was about 24. Now, Aftat grew up in Mumbai, and he had a younger brother, and he lived with his parents in the unique park housing society in Versailles. Other than the fact that he lived in Versailles, we also know that he went to the L.S. Rahaja College for a BMM, which is a bachelor's in mass media. But according to some sources, he was also a trained chef, and he had a food Instagram with something like 29,000 followers. And that if the allegations against him are pretty true, he is also a kind of scummy person. Now, Shraddha Walker, she lived with her mom and dad in Versailles. And this is a similar area to where Aftat grew up. So her dad was around, though he did live separately. And he operated an electronics service business. Now, Shraddha, she was also taking a BMM, a Bachelor's of Mass Media, and she almost graduated, but she dropped out in her final year, and we don't exactly know why, but she was missing classes, and according to her former classmates and teachers, she said that she had to work to support her mom and her brother. So I guess, you know, sometimes life just happens. But here's the thing, because she said that her dad didn't like it. Her dad was like, you mean I'm not supporting the family? And we don't know if that really was why or if that really were the circumstances. But their relationship was pretty tense already. So after that, she does work. She goes to work in a call center in a place called Malat, which is in the north of Mumbai. And she's really good. She eventually becomes a team lead. And you know, the thing is that if you've ever worked in a call center, sometimes it's a little bit slow. And what do you do? You go on the apps and you swipey swipey. And that's how she meets Aftar. 
And the thing is that objectively, with so many things in common, you kind of expect them to get on well, and they do. But her parents didn't like the relationship. And the thing is, I think that sometimes parents really care, but they are a bit misguided. So the the thing is, her parents said that they didn't like the relationship because it was an interfaith relationship. And Shraddha's family was Hindu, but Aftab's family was Muslim. But I don't think it really was that big of a deal to them. But they were kind of like explicit about it. Shraddha's parents were explicit that they didn't like the relationship. And the, the reality is the more that parents don't like a relationship, the more you'll be inclined to keep to that relationship, which is also the story of my life. So that's exactly what happens. About eight or nine months, she's like, okay, I'm kind of really into this boy and I want to live with him. And at that point of time, she's 24, 25. And so her parents are like, no. But they seem to have gotten into a massive argument. And the thing is that Shada, even though she's very strong-headed she is also an adult and so she leaves home and she says forget that i'm your daughter and then she's gone and so her parents especially her dad says that he stopped talking to her as well because she didn't listen to him and i i don't know how i feel about this you know because he's supposed to be the parent but sometimes i also think that we tend to expect a bit too much from parents because they are also human and and they also can come from a place of hurt. So Shraddha and Aftab, they move in together and then the cracks really start to show, okay? And it's alleged that their relationship was really, really toxic and really abusive. It's alleged that her friends would see her bruised, they would see her beaten. And there's even a photo taken in 2020 about a year into their relationship where she's bruised on her nose, her cheeks, her neck. On 23rd November 2020, so it's just a little while after they move in together, she submits a complaint to the police. And it's a written complaint and in this letter is horrifying. It says, Today he tried to kill me by suffocating me and he scares me and blackmails me that he will kill me, cut me up in pieces and throw me away. It's been six months that he has been hitting me but I did not have the guts to go to the police because he would threaten to kill me. And in this letter, it also says his parents, his parents are aware that he beats me and that he tried to kill me. They also know about us living together and they visit on weekends. So it says that she lived with him as, quote, as we were supposed to get married anytime soon and had the blessings of his family, end quote. And so it seems that she was okay with and she thought that it was okay to move in with him because they were going to get married anyway. At that point, in November 2020, the letter says that he had been threatening her with violence, with the threat of murder for six months. Okay, and in that same year, between December 3rd and 6th, so for three days, she was hospitalized for internal injuries. But then we know that she redraws the complaint and says that she doesn't have any issue with him, which is very frustrating. And... According to some sources, at some point in the same year, right, one of her friends actually brings her to the police, physically brings her to the police, and at that point of time, she had bruising on her neck. But then, according to some sources, they convince her to go home, back to her abuser. But this is just one of many disjointed sources, so it might have been also the same visit. We, we aren't too clear on that. So we don't know what happens in 2021. And honestly, 2021 was just like this massive COVID blur. 
but we assume more of the same, especially since we know that the trend of domestic violence was escalating during COVID. And in early 2022, we know that they took a holiday to Himal Pradesh and another region called Uttarakhand. So I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. And so it feels like maybe things were looking up on that. And in May 2022, they moved to Delhi. And that's when things really took a turn. Things were not looking up at all. On May 18th, 2022, it's reported that Shraddha and Aftab, they had a fight about getting married and also maybe about expenses. And so it's during this argument we know that Aftab snapped and allegedly he sat on her chest and strangled her to death. And so now Aftab, he watched a fair bit of TV and he was very inspired by the show Dexter. So he knew that he needed to get rid of the evidence. Aftab buys a 300 litre fridge. So that's like a regular home fridge, but this is like his dedicated body fridge. And he also buys a saw and because he's a trained chef, you know what comes next. He lights incense and uses an air freshener to cover any smells. And then he dismembers her body into 35 pieces. And this takes him about two days. Over the next couple of weeks, at about 2am every night, he packs pieces of her body into polythene bags. And then he walks into Delhi's Marauli forest to slowly get rid of her body. And during this time, he's still using her phone, her social media, to act like her, to pretend that she's alive. And this is an act that he keeps up until June 9th. So he pretends to be her for about two months. And we know that he's keeping busy because during this time, he's already back on Bumble and dating people. And he even brought another girl home with the body still in the house. And when he had someone over, he would hide the body in a cupboard. And at this point of time, we know that he was chatting with anywhere between 15 to 20 girls as well. And it's alleged that he might have given a ring belonging to Shraddha to one of the girls that he was dating, according to India.com. So we can tell that if this is true, he's definitely not remorseful at all. And this felt like something that he was like, oh, I did this, now I'm moving on with my life. And at some point, he stops talking to her friends. He stops pretending that she's alive on social media. And for the next two months, her family and her friends are getting more and more worried because her phone hasn't been turned on in more than two months. So they reach out to Shraddha's family and her dad files a police report in Mumbai in August 2022. So that's about four months after her murder. And the case is transferred to the Delhi police in November because that was her last known location. And at first, they think it's just a kidnapping. The first investigation report is on the crime of kidnapping. And so the police interview after because, you know, a lot of the time it's the partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband that has committed the crime. And he says that, oh, you know what? Shraddha stomped out of the house on May 22nd. So that's actually eight days after her alleged murder and he says that she stormed out of the house on May 22nd and I haven't heard anything from her since then. But the police, they've actually been monitoring him as well and they're like, wait a moment, but then if she stormed out of the house on May 22nd and if you haven't been speaking to her since May 22nd, why is there a transfer from her bank account to yours on May 26th, four days after? For 54,000 Indian rupees, huh? Which, for context, is about 865 Singapore dollars. 
which also by the way is a very sloppy mistake i mean you couldn't even get your dates right bro so anyway they confront him with this and they confront him with some other discrepancies and eventually he confesses so they also managed to find about 10 to 12 pieces of her body in the forest which supports their theory that he's the killer so right now i believe that he's in police custody in tiha jail and from what i read they're also having trouble finding his family and Shraddha's father has also demanded for the death penalty, which I can understand why. So I can't imagine what he's feeling about this, especially when their last interaction would have been a massive argument. So I believe they're also doing a polygraph test, which, you know, isn't the most reliable, but they do have actual evidence. So this might be just something to strengthen their case. So what I don't like is that there, have, there has been a lot of victim shaming in the media about like why didn't she leave him why did she want to get married to him and the thing is that domestic violence for both genders domestic violence in different regions is a very nuanced thing and on average it takes somebody about seven to eight times to leave their abuser and there's also been politicians saying that women should stay away from live-in relationships and that people should have to register if they want to have a live-in relationship which is something that I don't really agree with because, well, not just because that I am in a live-in relationship but because if someone is abusive, they'll probably be abusive once you're married as well regardless of whether or not you're like lived in together before and i mean maybe they won't be abusive while you are living apart but then how would you know if they wouldn't be abusive once you get married and move in right and and not saying that you should move in together before you get married but to me let's say the relationship doesn't work out it'll be a lot easier to just leave rather than having to go through the entire trauma of having to get a divorce and having your entire life and everything picked apart right but then the other point of view is that maybe if you're married people have a vested interest to behave better and to make the marriage work but if you're dating an asshole i don't think that it's such a big impediment for an abusive asshole not to be an abusive asshole just because you're married you know but so that's where we are now and i guess the trial will probably happen later this year and we'll just have to wait and see what happens thanks as always for listening to this week's episode of the briefcase podcast this is a listener recommended case and so many of you have asked me to cover this thank you so much to Salome Banerjee thank you so much to Vila Peter and I know a few more of you but I can't quite find your names in my chats but thank you for sending in and recommending me this case I remember it was recommended a little bit last year but at that point of time there wasn't too much information wasn't too much coverage on the case but I'm glad we did it this year and I'm looking forward to see Shraddha and her family get justice on this so we'll probably have like a little post or a little update at the end of an episode once trial goes through and everything is done so as always remember you can drop me a message or send me recommendations at a briefcase podcast on instagram and you can also find me online at a briefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another briefcase
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.